Thank you for joining us today. At ResLife, our mission is to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. Our content is created to equip and empower you in God's purpose. We hope you enjoy this message. I love heart for the world. How many, how many love to see us uh, help more people in need? How many love to see us be able to do that? How many love to see us send more missionaries around the world? Wouldn't that be awesome? Thinking of all that we can do through our generosity, through heart for the world, help more orphans and, and widows. That's what the Bible says we're to do. Be great to get this place paid off. Uh, you know, it's, it's about three million to get the to get everything finished off and paid off here. Now think about how much more we could do for the kingdom once we get that taken care of. Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, and so heart for the kingdom. And so we're really believing, like the pastor said, the next couple of weeks. As your heart opens up to be generous, uh, I told the last service, we got a call last week, Pastor Dwayne wanted to come up and, and a guy came up, his dog died, and uh, he wanted to see if Pastor Dwayne would do a funeral for his dog. Pastor Dwayne said, we don't really do funerals for dogs, you know, here at Res Life. Um, sorry about that. The guy said, oh man, I really, I just love this dog, it's my it's my, my best friend. And, and Pastor Wayne said, well, there's other churches. Maybe the Baptist church down here would do it. The Reformed church, they might, they might do it, you know, but we don't really do it here. He goes, okay, okay, well, thanks for the recommendation. He said, hey, by the way, Pastor, do you think if I made a, uh, you know, just to tell the, the church, thank you for doing the funeral, if I gave him $50,000, do you think that'd be okay? You think that'd be enough? And Pastor Dwayne said, I didn't know your dog was a member of Res Life. We'll be glad to do that funeral here. <laughs> And, uh, and so, uh, anything for the kingdom, anything for heart for the kingdom, right? Uh, so I want to talk to you about something this morning that I think, I hope will, will cause you to look at something differently. I, I believe it's so important, uh, in our world, our, our mindset, the way we think about things, the way we look at things, if you can change your thinking, you can change your life. You change the way you look at things, the things that you're looking at will begin to change. And so I've always tried to work on my thinking. The Bible even says that uh, we should be, I know a lot of times in the spirit-filled church, we thought the scripture said, be transformed by the removal of your mind. But I actually, it actually says the renewal of your mind. It's a change in the way that you think about things or the way that you look at things. And the Bible talks to us a lot about the way we think. Now, I grew up in a small town in Mississippi. And I, I say this a lot. I left Mississippi long before Mississippi left me. I left the little small town I grew up in, but the mindset of some of the ways I grew up, and I'm sure all of us are, are caught up by things we heard growing up or the way we looked at things growing up. How many would admit at some point in your life you've limited yourself by your own thinking? Your own thinking has limited you. Yeah, so it's something we all need to, uh, to work on on a regular basis. I've got a, a new book, I'll tell you about it at the end, uh, called Mindset Matters where I really looked at that subject of, of how we change this thing, how we change our thing and how we change our mindset. And so I wanna look at in an area today about how we can look at things a little bit differently. Now I do a lot of speaking in the corporate arena and, and when I'm there, they'll call me a motivational speaker. And that's fine, I, I don't mind if they call me that. I'm, I'm not a motivational speaker. I really don't think there's any such thing as a motivational speaker. Um, I can't really motivate you, only you can motivate you, right? So I don't tell them I'm not a motivational speaker because they were paying me a lot of money to be one. <laughs> so I just kind of went with it till I cashed the check. But um, I hope to be an educational speaker today. I hope you learned something today. I hope to be imp 
inspirational maybe. You maybe be inspired a little bit, encouraged. I always want to encourage people. But really, my goal today is to be a transformational speaker. That something I say will transform the way you look at things. When we talk about renewing our minds, it's like a metamorphosis. Like, you know, like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Just a whole change in the way you see things. And so we've been talking about heart for the world. And we'll, of course, we're going to have an opportunity to, uh, to, to give toward that here over the next couple of weeks. How many enjoy giving, by the way? Let me see. I just want to make sure I'm talking to the right people. Okay, that looks like the most of you. It's amazing. The majority of us enjoy giving. It's just kind of the way God made us. And the majority of us from earlier, we want to see other people. We want to send more missionaries around the world. We want to help the poor. The majority of us want to do more to help others. So I think all of us could do more of both of those. We could give more. We could help more if God prospered us a little bit more. Because how many would like to be able to give more than you give right now? Your heart would be to do that. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? Pastors like $3 million, right? We can pay off this, this whole building. I mean, wouldn't that be amazing? Hey, pastor, love my church. God's blessed me. Uh, I, I, how many love to be able to say, hey, pastor, put me down for 100000 toward that? How many like to be able? It's not a pledge. I'm just asking right now. <laughs> People are like, is this the offering? No, no, I'm just, I'm just asking. How many like to be able to do that? Yeah, most of us would because our heart is there. Our heart is to give. But I, I found this, you can't give something that you don't have, right? So uh, our heart would be to give more. So the, the thing is, we, we need more so that we can do more. And, and so I was looking at this scripture in 3 John chapter 2, where it says, uh, I wish above all things. That, let me get started correctly here. How many believe the Bible? Because I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'm going to show you these in the Bible. So you'll believe them if you believe the Bible. Okay, good. Majority of people on the floor, six people in the balcony. Okay. No. How many believe the Bible? Let me see your hand. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Wouldn't you hate to find out it wasn't true? That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Trying to do all this stuff and then... Have ever wondered, like, what if God didn't really write all this stuff? There's a lot of stuff in there. How many have ever wondered that? Did God really write all this? I mean, that, that's a thick... Let me see your hand if you ever wondered. Be on, you won't go to hell. Let me see your hand. It's Okay. <laughs> I've wondered before, I've been in church my whole life and my dad's a preacher, my grandfather, did God really write all this stuff? Started thinking one day, if God didn't write it, who did? Right, you gotta think of who did it. Maybe my Uncle Tony did it, I don't know, he don't do a lot. <laughs> then I found that scripture, if you don't work, you don't eat. Like, nope, Uncle Tony didn't write it. I just, <laughs> if you started thinking of people you know, right, you could narrow it down. Yeah, I know my son didn't write it. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Nope, wouldn't have put that in there. Maybe my wife wrote it. Submit to your, nope, she didn't write it. How many, how many, how many, if you'd have wrote the Bible, how many can think of like two or three things you would not have put in there, right? I mean, like eight commandments. Tithing would have been lower. That's 5%. Here's what I, no human being could have ever wrote a standard this high. So if God said it, I'm just crazy enough to believe it. And, and here's what he said in first John, or third John two, uh, it says, I wish above all things that you would prosper. I wish above all things that you would prosper. Say that word, say prosper. 
Now, I looked it up because I know a lot in church were like, I don't know about that word. It just, I mean, prosper, prosperity. You're not one of those prosperity preachers, are you? Is that what we got to listen to for the next 30 minutes uh, or 45 to an hour? I'm kidding, not that long. But I looked up the word prosper just to see what it meant. And, and it, it meant to have continued success, to thrive, to grow, to be flourishing, to have wealth and good fortune. Um, how many like to be happier than you are right now? How many like the love in your home to grow? How many like to have more joy, more peace? How many like to have more wisdom? How many, look at all you selfish people. Like everybody in here just wanted to prosper, just wanted to have continued success and flourish in their, you know, I found over a hundred times in the Bible that used this word prosper and, and, and in a good positive way. And, and to hear some people comment about this, I'm just, and I'm talking about Christians, really, they act like prosperity is a bad word. Like who would want that? Who would want to continue to do well and, and to flourish and, to, and, and to be happy and, and, they act like it's some kind of, hor- if you have a desire to prosper, oh, that's very evil and selfish. I mean, people within church circles have held onto this notion that prosperity is evidence you're unspiritual. I know Christians who feel guilty for prospering. They don't want, don't want anyone to know I, I did too well on that. You know, I just, and, and I think that this wrong assumption of this word has caused countless numbers of people who believe God who love God, who, who want to see people's lives change, miss out on God's best for them. And, and, and they've allowed the enemy to hinder them from being blessed the way God wants to bless them and, and, and blessing them the way God desires them to be blessed. I mean, he said, I, he, he said in, in, um, in the Bible, can't remember where the verse is right now, that, uh, that he takes pleasure. I think it's in Psalms that he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. That means it makes him happy when you and I do well. That's really what that means. I had a guy came up to me, he goes, I believe what you said about that prospering. I said, okay. So will you pray for me? I said, I'd be glad to pray for you. He said, here, pray for this. He reached in his pocket. I said, what is that? He handed me something. He goes, pray over this. I said, what is that? He said, there's my lottery ticket. I said, I don't think I can pray God to prosper you by praying for your lottery ticket. He said, it's $83 million. He said, if they pull my numbers tonight, I'll be prospering and that'll be good. Can you pray? I'm like, I can't pray for, I just don't think I can pray for your lottery ticket. He said, look, I'll make a deal with you. He said, you pray over this ticket and I win the 83 million. I'm giving you the tithe, 8.3 million. And I said, in the name of Jesus, now you just, I mean, you just never know how God's going to bless you, right? But uh, this, this desire for us to do well, why would we, why would we want to do that? So many people in church, and I've been in church my whole life, have believed these, these myths or these lies when it comes to the topic of, of money, like money is the root of all evil, right? We've all heard that before, but we know that's not exactly what it says. It doesn't say money is the root of all evil, it says the... Right, the love of money is the root of all evil. Money, money by itself is just a tool, right? Money, money really is neither good nor evil uh, by itself. It, it, not of itself is a good or evil. It's how, what you do with it that makes it good or evil, right? It's a tool. It's like a hammer. 
You don't have good hammers and evil hammers. You just have hammers. What you do with them makes them good or evil. I can take a hammer and I can build a home uh, that would rescue girls, that would house rescued girls from human trafficking. Be something amazing that I could do with that hammer. With the exact same hammer that I build this home to rescue girls, I could go over here with and hit someone and, and kill them. With the same tool I used for good, it could also be used for evil. But it's my choice what I do with it. Same with our resources, same with our finances. We can use it for good. We can use it for our heart for the kingdom. We can use it to help pay off the building, help send missionaries around the world, or we can use it for our own selfish gain. We really have a a choice. I, I grew up thinking that poor people go to heaven. So we did everything we could to stay broke. We were trying to get to heaven. My dad convinced us. I mean, we were, we were poor growing up. We, we, like I said, we tried to stay that way. I remember, I remember driving to church and we had to drive through this one neighborhood of real nice houses. And I remember me and my brother, we'd be in the back seat sweating to death, you know, because we had the windows. Our air condition didn't work, but we couldn't afford to get it fixed because we were poor. But my dad made us leave the windows rolled up because he didn't want anyone to know our air condition didn't work. We were poor, but we were proud, right? And, uh, and I remember driving, sweating. We went through this one neighborhood and we'd see people out there at swimming pools. They'd be out by their swimming pools, just drinking iced tea, just enjoying themselves. And my dad would look at me and my brother said, boys, you see those folks? He said, yes, yes, sir. He said, those folks are miserable. <laughs> we're in the back of a car with no air conditioning. I'm looking at my brother going, man, I wish we were miserable. <laughs> that looks nice. Miserable looks great. I'd hear these, these things, you know, it's harder, you know, it's harder for a rich man to get into the, the kingdom of heaven. You know, it's in Matthew talks about that than for a, a camel to get through the eye of a needle. You know, and I remember picturing a little needle like my grandma would sew with and a camel, that's no possible way. Now, later I found out that that's a, a, an area where you go through the wall in, in Jerusalem and, and uh, they call it the eye of the needle because the camels had to go down their knees to scoot through and, and that kind of thing. But still what it's saying is it's, it's not, it's, it's hard work. Why? And, and as I begin to study that and look at it, really what he was talking about here in teaching was that it's not an issue. It wasn't an issue of man having money that was the problem what he was teaching about. It was a problem with an issue of money having man is what you put as your priority and what you put as your, as your motive. And so if, if, if being poor was a requirement for getting to heaven, then my goodness, you know, we would... Why didn't all the wealthy heroes in the Bible like Abraham and Solomon, why didn't God make them give all their money away? That has nothing to do with it. But we get these thoughts and these myths and these lies that we believe that affects the way we think about things. Money is the root of all evil. Well, that's not true. The love of money. Money is the root of good vacations. See, it's, 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 you got to look at things a, a little bit different here. And another lie we believe is, well, if God wanted me to prosper, then... Um, then he would just give me money. That's what he would do. That's, I don't have to ask, I don't have to do anything, just God will give it to me. I mean, that makes a lot of sense too, right? If God wanted you to comb your hair this morning, he'd have combed it for you. You, you gotta do something here. You, we, we get these thoughts, like I used to hear this, the devil gives you money so you'll backslide. Really, why hasn't he overdosed you, yeah. right? I mean, think if money would make you backslide, wouldn't he be drop, backing up to your... Your, your house just dumping $100 bills in your yard going, sin, come on out and sin. 
we, we hear these things and we believe these, these lies and it hinders us from really what God wants to do. So many people would feel uncomfortable asking God to prosper them. Yet that's what Nehemiah did. He boldly approached God with this request for prosperity. If, if God gives you everything you're supposed to have, he just gives it to you without you having to ask, why do we have to ask for salvation? Why do we have to ask him to come into heart? If God wants you to be saved, he'd just save you. But does he save us without asking? No, we ask him to come into our heart. We acknowledge that, he's, he's, that God is our source. Another lie that we, we've heard all preachers want is your money. All they want, uh, churches and preachers, they just all want your money. Because, uh, because of those kind of things, uh, hearing those kind of things, a lot of pastors and leaders, and thank God we don't go to a church like that, they tiptoe around the subject because they don't want to be misunderstood. And, and so then the church is weakened in what we're able to do and fulfilling the calling that God has for us. The church's position is weakened because we don't have the resources that we need. We're not following God's financial plan. And so churches are struggling financially. This past year, over 9,000 churches shut down. Um, they didn't have the resource, didn't have what they needed. And, and so if it was taught and it was obeyed, it would cause churches to flourish in, in their communities. And instead of seeing churches that signs are broke down and buildings need to be, uh, are worn out and they don't have the insufficient funds, we would actually be moving ahead and, and funding the kingdom of God and the harvest in these last days. The strength of the church is directly related to our giving habits. How strong our church is the difference that we can make. And failure uh, to bring our tithes and offerings to church weakens the church. It, weaken, it weakens us. If, if, if you're a tither today, you are in the minority of the church. You should be in the majority, should, what it should be, if, we're, if we all believe the Bible. But it, it's important that we have pastors and leaders that speak out on this subject and, and believe according to the scripture, I. I am under obligation to teach you and to show this to you. And, and I, I also don't have a problem talking about it. I love to talk about it because I love to do it. I love to give. How many like giving again? Let me see here if you like to give. Yeah, uh, most of us, most of us do. After more than two decades, two decades ago, I really got an understanding of this and really got a revelation of this. And it began, it began to be my prayer. I made a decision. I want to be a distribution center for Jesus. I want to be a, a dispenser of God's blessing to others. I want to help others. And at first I wondered, you know, what I would, what I would do. What, if, if I want to do this, if I want to give, what am I going to do when the money runs out? I mean, at some point it's just going to, it's just going to run out. But you, I, I was thinking in this building, we have water pipes, right? All throughout this building are water pipes. What is the purpose of the water pipes in this building? To dispense or to distribute water, to take water from one part of the building to another part of the building. That's the purpose of the water pipes. And it's just kind of like God's blessing. The purpose of God's blessing in our life is to distribute blessings, to be a blessing to others. Say this, say I'm blessed to be a blessing. Come on, if you're online, just type that in. I want to know you're with me here. I'm blessed to be a blessing. Say it one more time. Say I'm blessed to be a blessing. Now, in the process of me being a blessing, God blesses me. It's not the purpose that I'm a blessing, but it's part of the process. It's part of the cycle. Again, if we believe the Bible, if you give, someone told me, I've been giving and giving and God's never gave me anything back. I'm like, that's amazing how you were able to keep giving 
and giving if God never gave you anything back. Obviously, he's given you something back because you're able to keep giving. It begins a cycle in our life of giving and receiving. It's like breathing in and breathing out. The water pipes distribute water. But how many know in the process of distributing water, how many know the pipes get wet? Right? It's not the purpose of the pipe. It's part of the process. And in the process of you being a blessing, God blesses you. It's not the purpose. I don't do it just to, to get blessed. I do it to be a blessing. But if God blesses you in the process, it, it, I mean, it's, it's part of the process. It's a wonderful cycle. You give away, more comes back. You give away, more comes back. I'm blessed, and then I get to be a blessing. I'm a blessing, and then he blesses me. And this cycle starts, and I've seen incredible things happen. It was, it was 20 years ago, I, I was invited to this conference. A friend of mine invited me, and and uh, I went out to Seattle to this conference. And it was called Prosperity with a Purpose. And I'm like, I'm not really interested. But he talked me into it. Finally, I went out there. And at that conference, I began to hear these, these wealthy business people, men and, and women, and, and getting up and sharing their testimony of how God blessed their business or gave them an idea or, or, or caused them to prosper. And because of that, they've been able to travel around the world sharing their testimonies. And they've been able to to build orphanages and they've been able to rescue girls and they've been able to build churches and, and all this stuff that happened. And I, I never heard business people share these kind of things. And I was, I was surprised and I was also inspired. And that's when I said, that's, that's what I want to do. And they begin to talk about this gift in the Bible. In Romans, it talks about the gift of faith and the, the gift of miracles. And it, it talks about the gift of giving. That some people, they have the gift, their gift is to create uh, to, to gather resources in order to fund the kingdom of God. I said, that's what I want to do. I, I want that. I want that gift. And I begin to ask, I asked God for that gift. I could see how, how, how prosperity would enable us to spread the name of Jesus around the world. And, and I remember this scripture, first Timothy chapter six, you might want to write this scripture down. This this is good. This, I know this is speaking to some of you, and this will, this will really help you. Because I, I sat there where these people are, are sharing this testimony. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, it says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is unreliable. What that's saying is we know Things change, right? The stock market goes up, it goes down. Real estate market changes. If we just rely in our own, our own self and our own resources, it's, it's unreliable. But when, when we invest in God's economy, when we follow the principles of God, not trying to do it on our own, but trying to do it with him, trusting him, I found every investment I've ever made into the bank of heaven, every investment I've ever made that has brought people to Jesus, and has helped people find Jesus and in the kingdom, in my heart for the kingdom, every investment I've ever made has been protected in the bank of heaven. There's no, uh, there's no change in the market. There's no inflation. There's no recession. No one's ever robbed the bank of heaven. I was at the bank the other day and the guy in front of me was robbing the bank. Yeah, right, right in front of me. He had a, he was, and, and he had a mask on and everything. His, his mask fell off and, and, and he put it back on real quick. And the, and the, the, the lady behind the, the, the teller, uh, he, he said, did you see my face? And she said, I, yes, I, I did. And he, he shot her. He turned around. He looked at me and my wife. He said, did either one of you see my face? And my wife said, he did. 
anyway. It's a joke. Anyway, so here, here's how that, here's the, their trust. Listen, don't trust in your money, which is unreliable. The wealthy should put their trust, their trust should be in who? Trust should be in who? God, thank you. Who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. You mean we can enjoy a little bit in the process? That's what it says right there, right? In the process of being a blessing, he blesses you. That means if you get a new boat, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Um, If you're putting first the kingdom of God, God blesses you, not mad at you. If you don't invite me on the boat, I'm mad at you. But as long as you invite us and share, that's what the Bible says, share the boat, something like that. But um, it says, tell them to use their money to do good. So enjoy your boat, enjoy your new cabin up north. You know, we just moved from Florida to Michigan to... uh, about two years ago now. And I remember when we first got here, uh, and the summer was coming and people kept talking about going up north. I'm like, I'm from Florida. Is there more up north than here? Like, I, I'm like, this is far north as I've ever heard. And uh, then I saw these beautiful places up north. And if God blesses you with a cabin up north, enjoy it, invite us, enjoy it. Well, let's enjoy it together, actually. It's, so tell them, to use their money to do good. They should be rich, listen, in good works and generous to those in need. Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Always being ready, always, say always. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, you will be storing up, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. See, with this new concept, this shift that I had, that, that prosperity had a purpose. It wasn't a selfish thing. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about stuff. But there was a purpose of building God's kingdom, leading others, helping others. This concept, this shift in my mindset, this shift in my thinking, prosperity, purpose for prospering. I had a reason to want more. And then I discovered this gift of giving. And I, I discovered that a godly, wealthy person is a generous person. And I know that there's a purpose for financial blessing in my life. And so for me to go, I I don't, I don't want any more. Nope. I got enough for me. We're, we're fine. Would be pretty selfish. I used to think if you wanted more, you were selfish. And then I found out that if you didn't want more, you were actually the selfish ones because there's so much more we could do. How many would like to be able to give more? Right. See, when we, when we understand that, we're like, well, I need more. I want to give more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need more. And the wealth of God's people, the purpose of it is to finance the kingdom. Heart for the kingdom. And from the wealth that God has provided me, provided us, entrusted us with, now we can give for the vision of his house. And what we make happen for God's house God makes happen for our house. We can pay off buildings. We can help missionaries. We can feed the poor. We can travel the world or send others traveling the world, telling the truths of, of, of God. That God would give us the ability to do that. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let me show you this scripture real quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Again, write these scriptures down, right? Take a picture. If they go up on the screen, take a picture of that screenshot and go back throughout the week. 
Look these things up again. Don't just, I heard it once, it's good. No, go throughout the week, look at it again. I love the way this says, I'm gonna read it from the Amplified uh, Bible. I never used to read the Amplified Bible because I thought it was a girl Bible. Joyce Meyer uses the Amplified all the time. If you listen to Joyce Meyer, she, I'm so, I thought it was for girls. But I like it, I read it, I like it. It adds a lot of extra words. When it describes things, it's like twice as many words. Anyway, I, I don't know what that means. Okay, let's go, let's, let's, let's keep moving here. But chapter nine, verse number eight, look at this. And God is able to make all grace, how I many thankful for God's grace? Make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come in abundance to you. Who's able to make that happen? God is. Make abundance come to you so that you, why would he want to make it come to you? So that you may always, there's that word again, always, say always. Always under all circumstances, regardless of the need. Whatever pastor says, hey, we need to do this year. Regardless of the need, hey, he has blessed me with abundance so that I'm always able that I have complete sufficiency in everything, being completely self-sufficient in him, knowing that God is my source, I would have an abundance for every good work and act of charity. God's desire is to bless you. And so sometimes it, the, 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 the hindrance is our own thinking, our own mindset of the things we've heard or the things that we've been taught. So, are you, Dave, are you saying as Christians we should, we should have more, that God's people are supposed to, to, to have riches and, and abundance? And, well, that's, that's what it says right here in the Bible. I mean, and, and prosperity. Listen, when I talk about prosperity, it's a lot more than just money. We got to understand that. True prosperity is our overall well-being, right? I mean, when you read 3 John, it's, it's being right with God. That's true prosperity. It's, it's living in good health. That's prosperity. It's peace and joy in our life. It's having godly friends. All that is, is part of it. And belonging to a wonderful church like Res Life, that's, that's part of living a prosperous life. Having children who love the Lord and honor him. So it says when your soul prospers, and, and yes, also that you would have enough money, enough to give because you understand that there's a purpose for it. It's not about you. God bless me so that I can be a blessing. That should be every one of our prayers, especially as we're going into this heart for the world. God bless me so that I can be a blessing. I, I, listen, I've been a, a pastor and a business person. I've been on, on both sides and my prayers always been, God bless me to be a blessing. I, I want God's help with my business. I want, I don't, God's not a crutch for my business. He's my business partner. I rely on him. Heaven help me, heaven help any of us if we think we're smart enough to do this all on our own. Amen. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 tells us that God is absolutely interested in every detail of your life. That he, he's not planned failure for you. God has planned a future for you. A hope to prosper you and to give you hope and to give you a future. And his word is, is relevant to our personal life, to our business life. The Bible relates to everyday life. So let me ask you a question. How many of us want to be more generous in our giving? Let me see your hand. 
I want to see who I'm getting through to. Okay, I'm getting through to the most, most of you. So that's, that'd be most of us. So to truly experience generous giving, one thing I, I believe we have to do is, is we have to be aggressive in our faith. Sometimes using your faith will require you to defy logic and obey God. Now, I'm not talking about a wimpy faith. I'm not talking about a little weak, passive faith. I'm talking about some bold faith. To be a person of faith is a determination that God will do what he said he would do. And an aggressive faith, that bulldog kind of faith that you're not going to let go. You're going to hang on and, and believe God to do something supernatural in your life. Now, we all want, we all want that. We want faith. Faith is, faith is a muscle, right? If you want a muscle to grow, what do you have to do? Exercise it. Use it. Yeah, use it. Exercise it, right? Bench pressing. Uh, if, if I say, hey, um, one day I want to bench press 500 pounds. What do I do? I, I start with where I'm at, right? I don't start with 500, but I maybe start with 100. I get that down. Okay. I don't just keep doing 100 forever. I'm never going to get any further if I just keep doing the same thing. At some point, I got I to gotta be aggressive and uh, let's add some weight on there, right? And I'll get it up to 150. Oh, man. I'm, here I'm going. 150. Okay. All right, I got this. Now I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's put a little more on there. I get up to 200. I, and I just, I just keep working my way up. I don't just stay where I'm at. Faith says you got to keep moving to the next, to the next level of what, what God. There's always God always has more. And so I'm just working my way up. I've been, now I'm bench pressed. You're probably wondering like, what is he? I've bench pressed right now, probably around 3:30 or four o'clock, right around that time every day. But. Um, <laughs> But what it does, faith causes you to reach beyond common sense. At the, at the same time, common sense is, is valuable. It's necessary for, for life. But we got to learn to recognize God's unlimited ability to go beyond common sense. God has this incredible ability. They, they have the, 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 the faith to believe, to understand in our hearts the, the power of this fact that God is not limited. How many know God has no limits? Yet we limit God, right, by our own expectation, by what we think God can do. We limit him in our life, yet with God, all things are possible. He's not, he's not limited. I was telling the last service I got to, I was at Niagara Falls. I got to go to Niagara Falls, and I was just, I was amazed at, at, at how many, I, I forget the, the number now, but they're saying how many gallons every second are coming over that waterfalls. 24 hours a day. You know, it never stops. Constantly just water, thousands and thousands of gallons. And, and the abundance of that water never diminishes. I could go over there with a little, uh, a, a little thimble and take some water out. I could do it. I could do it once a month. I could do it once a day. Not going to make a difference. I could go over there with uh, dump trucks, take 10 dump trucks a day, fill them up with water, get them out of there, take them out. You know what? It would not diminish one bit the abundance that's coming from that waterfall. And that's how God's abundance is in our life. We limit what we think God can do, but how many know God's not limited? And, and so when I take steps to defy logic or, or to, to, to really go beyond common sense sometimes, I'll never forget a time, uh, and I shared part of this story one time when I was here, about God spoke to me in a service, uh, kind of a, we call it heart for the house, but a heart for the, the kingdom kind of offering, and pastor was encouraging people. He said, there's many people who can give $500 in the offering. And I remember sitting there going, wow, $500. Hope God speaks to them. 
All of a sudden, God said, you're one of them. Give 500. I said, oh, shoot. I started to reach for my wallet. About the time I did, the guy next to me said, I'm one of them. I said, whew, maybe I overheard God talking to him. I put my wallet back in my pocket. And my wife says, God telling you anything? Shoot. I looked in my, my checkbook and I had $503. Now, if you have $503 and God wants 500 of it, to me, that defies logic, right? Common sense would be like, don't, I mean, you're only going to have $3 left. You got bills to pay. You got food to get. You, how are you going to do that? And I remember kind of taking my checkbook, leaning it up toward heaven so God could see how much I had there. He said he already knew. That's why he didn't ask for more. Shoot. I'm writing the check. Ink is smearing from the tears. God loves a cheerful giver. Whatever. He also loves uncheerful givers. He loves everybody. I tell you what, if you're happy every time you give, you probably don't give a lot. There's a lot of times. Willing, yes. Happy, uh-uh. $503. He wants 500 of it. I'm crying. People are like, you shouldn't cry when you give to God. I said, I'm not. I'm watering my seed. Just watering my seed. But it was a moment at that time, a small moment, but it's where I had to defy what common sense said and say, am I going to believe God or am I not going to believe God? Am I going to trust that there is an abundance that when I give, I will receive that he will give it back to me. And whether he speaks to you about a thousand or whether he speaks to you about 10,000, you know, it's, it's when it's easy is when I'm like, are you sure about that God? Have I really heard God? Cause I'm telling you most of the time it's not going to be something that's easy. Because what does he require of us? He requires faith. You can't even get saved without faith. So every one of us have a measure of faith. And, the, and through our journey as Christians and believers, our journey, our, our, our goal should be to grow our faith. And so what I want to do is I want to do whatever I can to use my faith. I, I love this um, Mark chapter 5 verse 36. Jesus overheard them and said to Jairus, don't be afraid just have what? Faith. Just have faith. And a lot of times circumstances may seem to contradict what God is saying or even what God is promising you, but, but you have faith, faith in him. And so faith allows me not to be ruled by my circumstances, but to put my trust and confidence in him that he will keep his word. So what do I try to do? I try to feed my faith starve my doubts, feed my faith, starve my doubts. How many ever have some doubts? Yeah, yeah, we all do. Feed your faith, starve, learn to defy logic. If, if faith tells you to do something that's beyond your understanding, that's why it's called faith. Pay attention, but don't let circumstances rule your decisions and then rule your action. You got you to take a step. You got to do something. Look at this scripture, Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse number four. Ecclesiastes 11, verse number four. Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. Well, once everything, God, once I get this taken care of and, and get that all situated and I get that bill paid off, then, then I'm going to have a heart for the kingdom. 
Then I'm going to plant some seed. Then, then I'm going to start tithing. Once, once, once my, my daughter gets married, you know, we're, we're going to have kids. We never, we're having kids. And, and once we, once we get, get married and have a kid, then we'll, oh, wait, they got to go to college. Once they get off to college, then we're going to, oh, wait, I got retirement coming up. Oh, once I get farmers who wait for perfect weather, never plant. Let me tell you, there's never a good time. It's never a perfect time. If they watch every cloud, they, uh, if they watch every cloud, they never harvest. Some people are like, why am I not reaping? Because you haven't been planting. A seed of nothing produces a season of nothing. So we've got to plant. If you want God to trust you with more, you give more. Give to the poor. Give generously. He said, if you give to the poor, he will repay you. He, he promised to repay. How many believe the Bible? Let me see your hand. I'm just trying to check. I mean, it, it's funny because we all believe it, but when it's time to actually put it to the test, give generously every time you have an opportunity. Give to your church. Give through your church. There will be no lack or shortage because you keep giving money away. Hoarding money or, 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 or holding on to money is going to hinder your financial success more than anything else. Because when your hands are tight, God can't put anything else in them, right? But when you release what's in your hand, God can release and fill it back up. And it's amazing. When I keep my hands open, there's always something in it. Always something. As I keep my hands open to God, it's like um, money's kind of like manure, right? If you hold it all in one place, if you store it up in one place, it starts to stink. But if you spread it around, it can do a whole lot of good. Look for ways, look for ways to be generous. Why? Why be generous? It's one thing I, I, I love to do is to teach, teach generosity, to teach liberal givers to uh, liberally give to the poor. And, and, and one of my goals is to uh, help uh, people become kingdom millionaires. Not just a millionaire, anybody can do that these days. But someone who, who could give, who'd give a million dollars. Not just make it, but be able to give it. It'd be amazing. We've, we've got, uh, my goal is, uh, is 100. I've got 17 so far. 17 people we've documented who've, who've been able to give a million by getting this. Thing. I want to be a part of this, this kingdom millionaire status. But why be generous? Well, here, here, here it is. Luke 6, 38. I'm going to wrap this up and then I'm going to pray for you. Are you getting anything out of this today? Is this helping you at all? I hope it's encouraging. I hope it's changing the way you look at this a little bit. Um, realizing that the, the God we serve is a God of abundance. And if his word is true, then these, these scriptures are true. That if you give generously, you receive generously. If you give bountifully, you receive bountifully. I mean, um, you got to be beware of, of logic, of trying to figure it all out because it takes away the ability for God to supernaturally get involved in your life. Luke 6, 38, the key here is the same the same measure that you give to others, that's the same measure that's going to be given back to you. If you give generously, it comes back generously. Uh, what does it say? Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. How many have heard that scripture before? I love that. That's, a, that's how he's going to give it back to you. Good measure, pressed down. I always, every time I, I, I hear that scripture, I think of, of my wife telling me to take the garbage out. Say, so can you take the garbage out? Now we're here in... Michigan, it's cold outside. So I'm like, I don't want to take it out right now. It's too cold. So I think, you know what? If I press this down a little bit, 
we can fit more stuff in the can. How many have ever pressed it down a little bit? Be honest. Uh, yeah, too cold, lazy, whatever the reason. You press it down. What happens when you press it down? It gives you more room, right? You can put more stuff in there. I keep piling stuff in there. Pretty soon I press it down as far as it can go. And so I've got to take it out of the can. So I take the bag out of the can. But I notice when I take the bag out of the can and I shake it a little bit, how many find there's still a little bit more room? You don't have to take it out yet. It's cold out there. So I shake it together, sit it next to the can. Keep putting stuff in there till finally it's pouring over and I got tied up and take it out. God said, that's how I want to bless you. I want press down. I'm going to put some more blessing in. Shake it together. I'm going to put more blessing until it's running over with the same measure that you give. He said, that's how I'm going to give it back to you. So why would all of us not say, God, stretch my faith. May, I want to be a generous giver because with the same measure I give, we all desire to give more when we give. It comes back to us, pressed down, shade together, running over. Now I have more to give. And out of my gratitude, my heart of thankfulness, I desire to give. And out of giving and a thankful heart, God gives back to me. And out of my thankfulness and gratitude, I give. And all of a sudden, I begin this cycle of blessing in my life. And I realize I'm blessed. Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I close with this, with this story because you just, you just never know. How God's gonna, how God's gonna use you, when God's gonna use you. I was uh, at dinner and um, a friend of mine, uh, his name popped in my mind and, and uh, I felt like the Lord said, you need to send him $2,400. I'm like, 2400 oh, okay, all right, Lord, if that's what you want me to do. And I finished my meal, got home that night, forgot all about it. And the next day, the Lord reminded me of that money. I said, oh, I, I've gotta, I gotta send him $2,400. So I called him up, I said, hey, uh, what's the best way? I feel like last night, I feel like the Lord told me to send you $2,400. He said, $2,400? I said, yeah, $2,400. He said, oh my goodness, I got a small uh, ministry church going there, having a project that they were, weren't able to finish because it ended up coming in a little bit more than they thought it was gonna be in the last little bit they had to do. And him and his wife were praying last night because they needed $2,400 to finish the project. The night before when God was speaking to me about the 24, and I was just astounded. It just built my faith and just as the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I, I learned that I got to listen to him because their project of what they were doing for the ministry, of what they were doing to reach people for Jesus was being held up by my obedience. And as soon as I stepped out, when if, if I delayed, delays could be disastrous. What needs to happen in the kingdom that God's just waiting for your obedience? waiting for you to step out. What does God want to do around the world through the king, his kingdom, through us in the next couple of weeks as he speaks to us to get this building paid off, to, to send missionaries around the world? Don't miss it. Pray and obey. Don't let there be a delay because you weren't listening. See, we honor God with our tithe. Then above that, that generosity comes with the 90%, the part that's left, the part that's actually yours because the other part was never yours. You return it to God and now generosity begins. We all want to be generous. God's asked us to be generous. And so we pray and obey. Two things I just want you, if you forget everything else I said today, as we come up on this, pray, say pray, obey. How many know how to pray? How many know how to obey? Okay, all you got to do is pray and obey. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 11, the world of the generous 
gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are helped themselves. Gosh, I wish I had three days just to teach you and talk to you more about this. I love this subject. I love this. Because uh, how, many, how many love Jesus? Yeah. And how many love to give? And how many are coming back at five o'clock to hear me say more? Oh, good. Oh, awesome. <laughs> Tonight, I'm going to get into some more of this. If you can, I'm telling you, if, if, this, if this encourages you and, and is helping you, if you can't come back t- tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep jumping in on this because I'm out of time. But, but um, I, I just believe God wants to prosper you for a purpose. God wants to prosper you for a purpose. And I, I know God's speaking to, uh, to many of you. And he's going to speak to you over these next couple of weeks to, to leave your comfort zone, to, to stretch a little bit. What you plan to do maybe is something that was going to be easy for you to do. Oh, we'll give that. And we always give that much in, in, in heart for the kingdom. But God's saying, look, it's time to stretch a little bit. It's time to use your faith a little bit. I want it to grow. I want your faith to grow. I got more for you. But you got to let go of what's in your hand. I got more I want to pour in there, but if, as long as you're holding on to it, I can't get it in your hands because your hands are, you got to let go of what's in your hand. I got someone, God's speaking to you, going to defy what seems logical in that whole process. But be bold, push the envelope, give, give generously and watch what God will do. You're blessed to be a blessing. I, I, I mean, there's a couple more things I want to share with you. Anyway, if you can come back tonight, I encourage you to come back tonight. But whatever you're thinking, I'm, I, I always think about this. What if God would have said, you know what? You want my, my son? You want me to give my son? That's my only one. Now, nah, let's, let's think of something else. What could I do that wouldn't be? He gave his very best. You talk about a sacrifice. So I think about that every time I have an opportunity to give to him, give to his kingdom. Is it a sacrifice? See, it won't be that we all do the same. Your sacrifice and my sacrifice may be different. I remember when $100 was my sacrifice. I remember there might be someone in here, $50 is a huge sacrifice. But someone else, $50,000 is not even a sacrifice. That's easy. You got that. You could do it. But what if every one of us gave sacrificially like God did for us? these next couple weeks as God speaks to our heart I believe he's gonna if if you'll if you'll allow him to and you got to ask like Nehemiah God stretch my faith bless me so that I can be a blessing prosper me so that I can help others if that's your prayer I believe God will will do it and do some amazing things in your life let me just pray for you real quick father I just thank you Lord that you are a good God a good father Lord, you give us these principles throughout your word. Help us to change our thinking, to transform our mindset, to renew our mind when it comes to even this word, prosper. You want to prosper us for a purpose. It's not about the things, it's not about the stuff, but it's about your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for a room full of people, a church full of people, people that are gathered with us online who have a heart to see your kingdom go forward. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, we get this building paid off. That's so much more we could do. We all want to do more. Lord, I thank you that you speak to each one of our hearts. 
Not to do what's easy, but to pray and obey. Two simple things, pray, obey. Lord, I thank you that this will be an incredible testimony of what you did through a group of people at Res Life Church who said, you know what? We're gonna use our faith. We're gonna stretch and we're gonna see what God can do through us together to advance your kingdom. Change our thinking to see the bigger picture of your kingdom and what you wanna see done. Every head bowed, I'm looking across the room just one time. Never wanna close without giving people an opportunity to make sure that their heart and their life is right with God, that they're at peace with God. Maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision. Maybe you're with us online and you've never said yes to Jesus. You never said, you know what, I'm putting God first place in my life. You wanna do that? Listen, life goes better when you put God first. Life goes better. When you put God first in your life, he'll take you places you never dreamed. If that's you, never made a decision to put God first. Or maybe you're here and you say, Dave, you know, at one point, God was first place in my life. But if I'm real honest, he's not right now. I've allowed some other things to come before God. Maybe, uh, maybe it's a, a job. Maybe it was a relationship. But you say, today, I'm ready to put God back first place in my life. I'm going to count to three. Once you lift your hand, I just want to pray a prayer for you real quick. One, never made a decision to put God first. I'm doing that today. Two, I need to put God back first place. I've kind of allowed some other things to come before him, but today I'm making a decision. God is first place in my life. If that's you across the room, online, three, real quick, lift your hand. Let me pray for you real quick. God bless you. 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 God bless you in the balcony. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Online, just pop up a little hand emoji. Father, I thank you for those that lifted their hand across the room in the balcony, online, today that said, you know what, I'm making a decision to live a God first life. You know, when you put them first in your heart, it makes them, makes it easier to put them first in your relationships or in your finances or all those other areas of your life. But today I'm making a decision. You said, if we believe in our heart and say with our mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord, we'd be saved. I want everyone to say those words with me. Say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. We hope what you heard today has been encouraging and given you new insight into the Word of God. We upload weekly, so join us again next time. Be blessed and enjoy your week.